0: So, uh, thanks for being here. We're going to talk about some of the serious issues of the day. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we are going to dive into what we know. And again, coverage this morning of the arraignment of former President Donald Trump. We will have wall-to-wall coverage of when this all begins. We don't know exactly what time coverage will begin, but it, keep it locked here. If you are in the car and going to be in and out somewhere, download that KTIR News app. You'll be notified as soon as it happens, and you can hear it. This is a historic day. As sad as it is, no matter where you are in this, you should not be overjoyed. This should be a sad day for all Americans for one reason or another. It is a horrible thing that's happening, but we are going to cover what's happening because it is historic. You will get full coverage here as it happens. Uh, We don't know exactly when it's going to start, but it could be any time within the next hour. So keep it locked here and make sure you download the app. Um, While we are talking about other important issues, the Border Patrol Union. Is saying that, um, the, uh, the White House has, uh, submitted a memo with new policies for the border. But what they're concerned about, which is proposed in anticipation of the end of Title 42, he said, but importantly, the proposed rule is silent and makes no changes to the current process that allows non-citizens seeking review by an immigration judge to be released during the, uh, adjudicative process. Um, it was. It's interesting. There is a, a Nat Geo series. It's like three seasons long, and it's 12 or 13 episodes a season, and it's called To Catch a Smuggler, and it's CBP, which is Customs and Border Patrol, um, and kind of the restructuring of things all under the, the Department of Homeland Security. They have HSI investigators uh, that do the criminal investigations, but you've got CBP agents at every airport, including ours here at Sky Harbor, and their job is to interdict human and drug smuggling into the airport. They do it in so many other places as well, and it gives you a bigger picture of the – the assignment the mission of this agency and they are so overwhelmed they are in airports like JFK LAX Atlanta um, and they go from place to place with different things and trying to catch people that are bringing in small amounts of contraband they go as far as going they the part of agriculture is looking for people that are bringing in stuff that could endanger our crops by bringing in you know accidentally bringing in bugs and food that they're bringing into the country they have people that are looking at artifacts that are being smuggled into the U.S., some other countries. It is a huge mission for CBP in trying to control the ports of entry, whether they are at our borders or in our airports. And I mention all of this because with the enormity of this mission, which one do you give up? This is where the policies of the White House have got to play a much bigger role and a much better role in in trying to fix this broken system. You've got CBP agents. I'm just going to go over. Just I've been, I've been like binge watching this documentary series. You've got agents uh, now. HSI, Homeland Security Investigators. HSI is the investigative branch that goes out and makes the criminal cases, and they put it in front of federal courts. Sometimes they turn it over to the states. But your frontline investigators are the people in blue, not TSA blue, the dark blue Customs and Border Patrol or Customs and Border Protection CBP, and they're looking for and as they've described with everything in the agriculture part of it where they're asking people hey what do you have and there are people who say I brought in some of this and some of that sometimes they're looking at the food because they're uh, having putting drugs in there but other times what they're looking for is contamination and they've explained that you know if you, you get this one particular food whatever it is that comes in and it's got a special kind of bug or a beetle in it it will destroy crops very quickly and wipe out US crops we've got to be very diligent about this um, when they're they're. looking for drugs, whether it's – and there he spent a lot of time in Nogales at the port of entry in Nogales, how they x-ray semis, how they pull people out of line when they see suspicious things about trying to find drugs, the way the drug smugglers are attaching fentanyl and other drugs to the undercarriage of vehicles with magnets and how they're storing them inside cars. It was just a much bigger look at that big part of what's happening at our borders. They don't even go into – uh, human smuggling or the, you know, the people that are coming in at other places, not ports of entry, crossing our border and asylum seekers. So you add all of this into the mix and we have a huge problem. The northern border is being overrun right now as well. The entire world is getting a message of no enforcement. That's what the world is hearing from this administration. You can call the previous administration's tactics questionable or inhumane, and I I don't believe they were. I don't believe they were. I am someone that believes we should have a better immigration system. I've said this many times. We deserve, as Americans, we deserve an immigration system we can be proud of. What I mean by that is an orderly system where we are telling the entire world what that poem is. The great colossus with that poem at the foot of the Statue of Liberty says, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. And that we we want to forge this great nation. In other words, we will take the people that you do not want and we will forge a great nation, which we have and we continue to do. And I think we should be proud of that. We don't just welcome the rich into our country. We welcome the hardworking. We welcome the entrepreneurial spirit. We welcome those people that are longing to be free. We want those people in this country. We should have a better system that we all can be proud of. But we have zero border security right now and this re- this administration has made it worse than it's ever been before and this is where i wish we could cross party lines so many times how much of our lives is right and wrong and not right and left And in this case, it's right and wrong. Anybody who believes that the policies and practices of this administration make it more humane than the previous administration is either so blinded by partisan politics or ignorant because they won't dare look and see. Children are not being treated better. Adults are not being treated better. There are still horrible conditions that are happening. All of these things continue to happen because we've done nothing to limit the number of people that are coming here in the first place. We need an orderly fashion. People need to know you are welcome in this country if you do it the right way. If you do it the wrong way, you are not welcome, and we'll make sure you're not welcome. And you've got CBP that is now saying, you know, listen, we this is not you're still ignoring the biggest issue, why people are coming. It's just a scary proposition to me. In a moment, we're going to talk about what's going on with former President Trump and the arraignment today and what we can expect. What can you expect to happen next? That we'll discuss next. I invite you to make a difference in our community if you want to join us what we call the action alliance we started this about a year ago in order to do community service projects make it easy for you to join us we'll organize all of the projects we'll let you know when they're happening in a text or an email and you can join us at the ones you'd like it's that simple uh, it's called the action alliance just text the word action to 411923. 923 we'll even send you a free t-shirt while supplies last it's action to 411923. 923 um Historic day here in America. I kind of lamented in the first part of the show about what's happening, former President Trump to be arraigned. We are going to go to full coverage on this as soon as it starts to happen, which could be at any time. So as I've warned people this morning, make sure you've got the app downloaded, the KTAR News app downloaded, and uh, we will go to it as soon as it begins. Um I want to kind of set up a little bit of what this is. Uh, I just talked to a friend of mine who was in the media, who was in New York, and he was planning on being at the courthouse, but they are checking press credentials and only allowing certain people into the zone. So there's about a, a three-block area that is closed off to anybody that is not credentialed to be closer to the courthouse, so he wasn't able to go. Um, but it is already packed with people with the expectation of a former president being indicted for crimes for the first time ever. Anxious to see which direction this goes um, in the long run, not in the short term, because right now we know of one accusation, and the biggest accusation has to do with a porn star named Stormy Daniels, and whether or not the president wrote the hush money check from the right account. That seems to be the accusation. No one is questioning that the check was written. No one is even questioning about the ability, the legality of writing the check. What they're saying is if this was in order to help his presidential campaign, it should have come out of those campaign funds. If you remember, there was a similar situation of hush money for uh, uh john edwards and uh, uh that case ended up he ended up in court although he was not president of the united states he went and ended up in court with a hung jury and things of that nature so this is not something that is completely new to people that are in american politics is this being viewed as a huge a huge political hit job and this is where the problems lie it is perception is reality to everyone if you perceive the president the former president in this case, to be um, uh, a scapegoat. You've got a lot of history there. I mean, go back to the, the Russian collusion accusation. Go and look at that dossier. And this is where the problem lies for people, politically speaking, when they do the wrong thing. That dossier of President Trump's behavior was opposition research that was originally started by people in the Republican Party. And that everybody does opposition research. Good candidates that are well-funded candidates do opposition research on themselves. They hire people to go out and find out, hey, what are they going to dig up on me? So we can be prepared when it comes out. But that's how it started. Hillary Clinton's campaign took that over. And that's what became the dossier, the dossier that made horrible accusations of sexual exploits with prostitutes in Russia and all these other things. And with the Mueller investigation, it turned out that there none of it was really true. There were some items in there, but a lot of it was debunked just with the president's passport. But you go all the way back to that investigation and then the Mueller investigation and then two committees in the House of Representatives for four years with constant investigation. That they said was a national security issue. Um, recently, President Biden made a statement, and I'm, you know, again out of complete context. But when asked about the situation, is basically saying we need to do everything possible to make sure that he's not the president. He's not elected president of the United States. Well, what does that mean? And that's where people on that side of this argument would say this is this is politics. You know, whenever we hear about somebody being thrown out of a window in Russia or a political operative that is anti-Cuba gets locked up, someone that's a dissident gets locked up and thrown away, we look at them and think, man, what a what a horrible government that you can't even speak out against the people in power. But you look at the other perspective of people in this country now and they say it's happening here. And the fear is it's going to continue to happen because I'll tell you, the Republicans will not necessarily go easy on President Biden when he leaves office. They've now got precedent that says if you believe there's wrongdoing here, get someone. You know, Hunter Biden's laptop is real. And there's talk of 10% for the big guy. Are there questions out there about President Biden's involvement in his child and his son's business efforts? Is it something that he compromises position? You don't think that if Donald Trump takes the White House and you've got Republicans in the House and the Senate, that that is not something that's going to happen when whoever the next Republican president is decides that they're going to appoint somebody to head up the Department of Justice, the Attorney General. That's what America is concerned about. Are we going to watch this ping pong fight for power. Every time a party gets in control, the other side of the aisle is, is rendered completely illegal and needs to be arrested and locked up. And that's where the problem is with many people and what's happening here. There are a lot of people that look at what the behavior and say, you know what, you're, you're, you're doing horrible things. You know, you've, you've cheated and then you pay people off and you throw money around and you do all these things and it's gross and I don't want anything to do with it, which is a fair observation. And it's fair game when it comes to talking about politics. But uh, there's a large number of the American people, not Democrats. And Republicans believe largely he's innocent. Democrats believe largely he's guilty of crimes and should be locked up and thrown away, throw away the key. But there's a lot of others out there that are looking at this and just saying it's ugly. And it's a big concern for so many people. It's a huge concern for so many people. Um, so we've this is something that's not going away anytime soon. Um There is a question I want to answer in a moment or two uh, and kind of discuss. Governor Hobbs has been ordered into court to explain why we are pausing executions and what's going to happen. What is this judge looking for from the governor? Will she respond? Does she have to respond? We'll talk about that part of it next. Thanks for out and about this morning. We are expecting coverage happening at any time as President Trump will be arraigned in New York City today. We are going to go to wall-to-wall coverage of this as soon as it happens, so please keep it locked here to KTAR. Download that KTAR news app. You'll be notified when it happens so you don't miss a moment of this. It is a historic occasion. We're going to continue talking about it all morning, and we will have full coverage of all of it as it happens, so please keep it locked here. Um, A judge ordered our governor, uh, Katie Hobbs, and the Department of Corrections, Ryan Thornell... Uh, to re uh to explain why we have paused executions in arizona when it is the law the governor has already made a statement saying that we're pausing executions until we are sure that they're being done appropriately with the right drugs and done in the right way um and everybody understands that what this is is that the governor is an opponent of capital punishment the laws haven't changed but she does not want to go through with any of those as long as she's governor and this is the reason that she's giving um So now the question is, if the law is on the books, you should follow the law unless you get the law changed. And so is this now – does this become a separation of powers issue? Because now what you have is the judicial branch telling the executive branch that you've got to come in and you've got to tell us what you're up to. Now, are they going to be able to order the governor to proceed? We know the Arizona State Supreme Court said that just because – a, a death warrant has been issued. The governor is under no obligation to fulfill it. It means that the governor may and not that the governor shall. Uh, big difference in the law between those two words. But this is on a bigger scale. This is exactly why our founding fathers federally and people beyond that in the states that have followed since our founding fathers separated the powers the way they did so that no one person or one body has more power than the other. The the judicial branch, when it works like it's supposed to work, judges based on what the Constitution says and precedent from other courts say. That is ideally how this is all supposed to work. The legislative ban- branch creates laws in the House and the Senate. They pass those laws together. They get them signed by both chambers. They go on to the president's desk, or in this case, the governor's desk, for signature or for veto. Incidentally, the governor vetoed another four Republican bills yesterday. Um, in this case, it also, because of the world we live in and the times we live in with the access to information that we have, this is where um, – the court of public opinion weighs in. I think it is a losing battle for the majority of people in Arizona to appear as if you are looking out more for someone who committed such heinous crimes as this guy Gunches did, and not for the victims' families that are say, "We've been waiting for 21 years for justice. Why are you standing in the way of justice?" So, you know, there's a moral thing here. There is also the public opinion thing. And where does it end up? I mean, where does it land? That's where the court question is, I am not someone that I'm not bloodthirsty Um, if we are going to use capital punishment. And I think that if you want my personal in my heart view, that there are some crimes that are so heinous Um, and I follow a lot of these stories nationally. You know, the, the serial killer BTK, if you've ever heard Dennis Rader's confession, BTK was was the initials he came up with in a nickname for himself, because not only was he a complete narcissist in murdering people, he wanted to make sure he got full attention for the things he did. He, he named himself BTK, Bind, Torture, Kill. And in the most heinous ways, he murdered families, he murdered individuals, and it was was all for his own sexual gratification. And after decades of being quiet, he came back out of the shadows because somebody was writing a book and was going to get more credit than he did. So that's how he was eventually caught. And if you've ever heard the details, and this is out of Kansas, if you've ever heard the details of uh, when he confessed and how nonchalantly he talked about murdering families – It's hard to look at that and say that guy deserves to just lock him up and throw away the key. And there's many people out there that would say to you that that is exactly what the death penalty is designed for people like this. Um, So I understand that and I agree with it. But if we are going to delay judgment or justice for over 20 something years, um, then we're doing it the wrong way. Dennis Rader admitted to his crimes. Now, I'm not talking about him specifically being on death row, but in a case like this where the guy allocutes to the crimes and he gives details only the killer could know, um, if there's eyewitnesses to the crime. and Now, now uh, Jared Lofner down in Tucson is a great example of this. Here's a young man that was found to be mentally incompetent, so he did not stand trial classically for that because he was deemed to be so mentally ill he did not understand how to defend himself or what he had done but if Jared Loftner had been deemed that he was mentally stable enough to stand trial he murdered all of those people and so severely injured former congressman Gabrielle Giffords um, and they caught him tackled him to the ground and pulled the gun out of his hand there is no doubt that it was him that did it why would it take over 20 years if the death penalty was given why would it take 20 years to exhaust appeals and all these other challenges, so that those victims' family members had to sit and watch these cases continue and continue and continue. This is what's frustrating to people, is our justice system is no longer about the victims. It is all about the people that are incarcerated. And I, I listen, I believe in redemption. I really do. I believe in rehabilitation. But that is up to... The uh, inmates themselves. But here we have, they say it's for the good of our public. And this is what we have to wrestle with with our justice system is – we send people to prison because they've committed horrible crimes. They go into the prison system and then they're given a free education and to better themselves so they have a better chance of coming out and not reoffending. But what about the victims whose lives have been so dramatically changed? Are we going to give the free education to the victims as well? They're the ones that have been so traumatized that many of them suffer for the rest of their lives in counseling or not in counseling because of what happened to them. And yet, when you go into the prison system, you're given a free education at the- The potential that you might change your life around and not be reincarcerated seems like a lazy way to do business to me that you're sending a message that if you really want help go commit a crime if you want health care that's available to you and dental care that's available to you go to prison i mean if you're a veteran sleep under a bridge stand in line at the va for medical care But if you go to prison, you have to get it immediately. And if there's not immediately, you don't get the care you need immediately. The ACLU is going to go to court and make sure that as an inmate, you're a ward of the state. Therefore, you get immediate care. Doesn't that seem backwards to so many of us? And it just does. The way we have handled the death penalty. So there are deeper implications here for this governor and this DOC director and what they do. And how they respond to this, will they respond to it? Are they constitutionally required to do this? Or can the governor say this is a separation of powers issue? The judicial branch can't order me to do anything any more than I can order them to do something. I'm anxious to see on Friday if they show up in court. And if they show up in court, what will they say? Should be fascinating. In a moment, uh, the people are already talking about fire season in Arizona and how bad it could possibly get. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. If you're tuning in for coverage, and it will be forthcoming very soon, we believe. That the coverage of the Trump indictment is going to happen. We will have wall-to-wall coverage here at KTAR. If you're in and out, download the app, the KTAR News app. Be simply notified there. Uh, in the meantime, we've got some other issues to talk about. We're going to go back to what we know about the indictment. More people talking about the indictment of the of the former president. The possibility that they heard one exclusive that it's up to 34 felony charges that may be announced today. What will this look like in the minds of the American people once we know what's in the indictment? That- that's a big thing for me, but we'll get to all of it coming up as soon as coverage begins. Um, one of the things that I've learned, I've learned quite a bit after moving to Arizona 28 years ago, and it's such a beautiful and unique place. I, I had to drive up. I was driving up to Payson um, on the in the weekend on Saturday. And I was amazed at how beautifully green everything looks. If you're coming south on Tatum and you're looking at Camelback Mountain and that, that beautiful red rock, but how green it is. Uh, it's like, it looks like it's covered in moss from a distance. That's not normal. I mean, with the rainfall we've had, it's exceptionally green. But if you live in Arizona long enough, you realize what that green will turn to brown very shortly after it stops raining. And we will then, when that happens, we are going to have fire danger everywhere. To the point where when the fire danger happens here, if you're new to Arizona, do not believe for one moment that they are exaggerating the danger. Um they warn people if you're pulling a trailer a boat or whatever else, you know, those chains that are used. Make sure your chains aren't dragging in the street. It is such a tinderbox. A spark from one of those chains can set off all of the brush along the freeways. Do never throw a cigarette out. Never use tools that throw sparks or flame anywhere near the brush. Um, and as this fire danger happens, we are going to have an excessively dangerous year. There's a story by Howie Fisher over at Capital Media Services that talks about about the fire danger in Arizona. Um, This is also where I go on a little bit of a rant because um, we could be doing so much better in Arizona, and and I would like you to, to just look at the real example here. All of us, I think, everybody listening, is concerned about the environment at some level or another. We all are concerned. We want clean water, clean air. Um, when it comes to what I love about the Arizona uh, topography, is that it changes so dramatically that you can drive an hour north or two hours north, and when you get up near Cornville and you get up into uh you know into Prescott and, and Jerome and, and those areas, and then to Sedona, it is just a gorgeous place. When you go into the White Mountains, and I have to say there is a special place in my heart in Arizona for the White Mountains, Um, it is just gorgeous to me. I absolutely fell in love with the White Mountains. But the fire danger is so extreme because of the rules the federal government has put on what you can do with the fire danger as far as clearing underbrush and thinning the forest and cutting in fire trails so that when a fire starts, whether it's started by human beings, accident or a lightning strike, that you can't get to the fire. You have to fight them from overhead or you have to drop firefighters in. You have to do backburns and all of these other tricks because you can't get to the fire. And I will tell you that when you talk about the herds of game animals that are suffering if you thin the forest. To me, it's an absolute fantasy. And it's so frustrating because I love Arizona. I always bring this up in talking about the rodeo and Chetiskaya fires um, that almost, I mean, going up through Heber and Overguard and how that devastation looked there. But it almost took out the town of Sholo that 4th that of July weekend. And um, right near Sholo is the Apache Nation. And the Apache tribal land, they don't have to abide by our federal rules. So they cut in fire trails and they thin the forest and they take out the fuel and the underbrush on the ground. And if you look at maps from the Rodeo and Chetis Guy fire, it danced around. The Apache nation and that it wasn't by accident. And is anybody out there? If there's anybody out there under the weird idea that the game animals are less robust on tribal land than they are on American land, you're wrong. And so this is frustrating to me because we've got the federal government as well-intentioned as they might be, and it's a tinderbox. You look what's happened in California with their wildfire seasons that killed so many people and what happened because the environmental rules are so outdated. The real environmentalists, if you want to know who the real environmentalists are – It's hunters and anglers. It's the men and women who have for generations harvested game animals and fish from the land and the lakes and the rivers in Arizona. That these are the people that for them it is a way of life. Many of them are multi generation Arizonans, so it's a sense of pride for them. The memories they've made with their parents, their grandparents, and great grandparents, they want to pass down to their children, their grandchildren, and great grandchildren and be a part of that legacy. They want the herds to be healthy and robust. They want plenty of clean water and clean air and forests that are full of green uh, and not burned. And, and those are the people that we should be talking with, the experts. That would know how to maintain a forest instead of some idealistic environmentalist that's got a political ideology. So we are going to see a very difficult fire season. And unfortunately, accidents will happen. And what starts out as a very small fire is going to turn big. One of the things we didn't even talk about is the immense danger to the firefighters as we're getting ready to talk about very soon the anniversary of what happened in the Arnold Hill fire. Don't forget we are awaiting coverage very soon of the indictment of former President Trump. Uh, We will take you to that coverage as soon as it begins. In the meantime, coming up in just a few moments, if we don't go to that coverage, we will talk about um, gas prices and the economy as they've jumped overnight and how high will they go. It's all coming up here in just a couple of moments.